The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Welcome into a bonus edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Stample joined by Scott White, and we have a very special guest to help us get ready for opening day. We're talking a 19-time All-Star, two-time MVP, two-time Gold Glove winner, eight-time Silver Slugger, Rookie of the Year, World Series champion, Please welcome to the show, MLB Hall of Famer, the Iron Man, Cal Ripken Jr. Cal, it's an honor to speak with you. Are you ready for opening day? <clears throat> oh, oh, I choked myself up. Uh, always ready for opening day. Um, the realization hit me when you were rolling through all those uh, accomplishments in your career. I kept thinking, okay, I played 21 years for the Orioles, but the realization just hit me that I've been out 22 years. <laughs> oh. As that. So uh, I've been out longer than I played, but uh, it was nice to hear all those things. Hey, you know, I could just do a whole 15, 20 minutes just talking about everything that you've done. Probably longer. We could do an hour-long podcast, do a whole week's worth. But uh, let's jump right in. We've got some fun questions that we want to ask you. want to start with one of the new rules being implemented in baseball this season, the pitch clock. Major League Baseball is looking to speed up the game, and that's exactly what they've done so far here in spring training. What do you think about the pitch clock? Because obviously you didn't really have, you never had to deal with anything like this. Do you think it's a good development for baseball and the way that it's trending? Well, I got to tell you, the first I heard of the shot clock uh, um, or the pitch clock, I, I thought of it at like the shot clock in basketball. And I went, okay, there, there's no real need to have a clock in baseball. You know, there's a rhythm of the game. There's a pace of the game that kind of develops all on its own. Um, but it seemed like the, the, there was a lot of downtime, a lot of lag that's been o- over the years. So when it, you started seeing it in application in the spring training, I started to think, okay, it's starting to put the game back to the rhythm that I remember the game at. Is uh, And the pitcher is usually controlled that, controls that rhythm. If you get a pitcher that's on the mound, ready to pitch, the hitter's got to be in the box. But I think the shot clock and some of the restrictions now are forcing that action now. And I think people will get used to it. And uh, there'll be less downtime. There'll be more interest. And uh, so I've gone full circle. I'm an advocate of it now. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think it's the sort of thing where the more people see it and experience it, the more they like it. I've I've been hearing that a lot. Uh, One of the offshoots of this pitch clock rule is the 
the pitchers being limited to two disengagements per at bat, which namely refers to like pickoff attempts, right? Right. I know you weren't much of a base dealer in your career, <laughs> but what what kind of impact do you imagine that having on a base dealer that that two pickoff chances and that's it? So I did have a few base, bases stolen in my career, but normally the pitcher would have to fall asleep right about here. That <laughs> um, happened a few times. Um, I don't like it necessarily because there are times when uh, the game calls for you to hold the runner on. Um, you know, Ricky Henderson, Kenny Lofton, um, in my day, you, you got to get, get on. You've got to have some tools to hold them on, you know, uh, or to try to stop them from uh, stealing second base. Holding the ball, quick pitching to home plate uh, seem to be the two popular things. But uh, a good pickoff throw over the first base is really effective. And so – I'm a little bit torn on that one. Um, you know, I know that it's to get the game going. It's to get some action and maybe um, give an incentive to steal the bases because base stealing has gone, kind of gone away, like the hit and run has gone away and some other things in baseball has gone away. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave judgment on that, you know, right now to see how that works out. Generally, I don't like it, though. I think that uh, the pitcher should have a little bit more chance to hold a runner on. Um and maybe that's because I wasn't a base dealer, and that's that's the uh, perspective. I don't know. Do you imagine stolen bases are going to increase drastically because of that rule? Is that kind of how you're envisioning it playing out, or not really? Well, um, I'd have to watch it a little closer to see what the uh, um, what the strategies are for the pitcher. Like uh, if you if you have two disengagements, then uh, now it's a, it's a, you can't come over here anymore. I got, I'm going to go. I'm going to get a yeah. bigger lead. You know, uh, you can't come over and pick me off now. I just have to wait and, uh, and take off. So um, I don't know how that's going to end up with the, uh, with, with the success in the end, but uh, it, it just seems to me that uh, it does give a little bit more advantage to the runner. Yeah, I was actually watching a spring training game here on Monday, and a pitcher tried a third pickoff attempt. They didn't get it right. Balk. You know, guy, the base runner goes to second base. So it was just interesting to see. That's the first time I've actually seen it happen in a spring training game. Cal, you played just over 3,000 games with the Orioles in your career. And of course, you hold the major league record for most consecutive games played at 2,632. I would say you know a thing or two about the uh, Baltimore Orioles and what an amazing time it is to be a fan. I mean, they have so much young talent on the roster or close to being on the roster one of those names is Gunnar Henderson, and it's a rookie that we're expecting to break out for fantasy baseball purposes this season. What are your expectations for Henderson in 2023? So I'm not sure exactly. Are they using him at third or short? It looks like he's going to, I think he's going to play shortstop, but he has third base eligibility. So I think he's going to bounce around a little bit. It uh, kind of reminds so me I, of you I, a little I, bit. I really closely, so you have to fill me in a little bit. Mateo, where's Mateo going to play? Mostly shortstop. I think mostly shortstop for Mateo, mostly third base for Henderson. But, you know, this is this is something that's a little different from when you're playing, right? How much uh, yeah, the yeah, lineup he, changes from day to day, how much players move around. So that, that brings me into an interesting subject is that the, there seems to be a, um, a flexibility that, uh, that, that uh, teams want where you want to play multiple positions. There was a couple of players that I played, Tony Phillips and Jerry Brown where they could play center field one day, they could play short, second, or third. And they were really good athletes, and they could play those positions. But to me, I want every position to be, instead of having a jack-of-all-trades, I want somebody to learn that position inside and out and have the execution go up. So I'm much more of an advocate of trying to create nine all-stars or eight all-stars in those positions and develop them. And so I think if it was me, 
and it's a hard decision. Um, but Gunner, to me, I like his actions at shortstop. And so you almost have to make a choice between Mateo. And now Mateo's a really good athlete. And I saw in spring training he played center field at uh, one point. I don't know what, what they're thinking. But it almost seems like um, uh, I'd want to I'd want to say, Gunner, if you're a shortstop, then here, you, your shortstop uh, position is yours. Um, I, instead of having him go back and forth, Manny Machado was a good example of he was a good shortstop came to the big leagues and it was a position open at third base. And then he turned into Brooks Robinson playing third base and he's got a strong arm and he's one of the best third basemen, you know, to play the game. Um, but I often wondered if he was put in shortstop, you know, right away. And then, you know, what that difference might've been. And so when I look at Gunner, I'm pulling for him as a shortstop, but uh, he's an exciting player no matter where he plays. Cal, let's shift gears a little bit. I'm starting to think we misused the term unicorn in sports because we really have not seen a player like Shohei Otani ever before. 40 home run power, 20 stolen base speed, throws 100 miles per hour, striking everybody out as a pitcher. What are your thoughts on Otani and what he's accomplished so far as a two-way player in baseball? <laughs> you know, it's uh, I just shake my head when you watch because uh, I can't imagine, you know, uh, doing both pitching, you know, regularly and then, then playing, uh, you know, regularly when you're not pitching, that sounds a little bit like it's little league again, that, uh, you're coming there to pitch and then you save the game and maybe it goes up to, to high school and maybe you do it in college. I think, uh, you know, to play, but it seems like there's, it's very difficult to do in the, at the highest level. And, uh, and Otani is, is, uh, is amazing. So he can, he can dominate a game with his arm as we saw in the WBC, he come in as a closer, almost like Randy Johnson did a couple of times when uh, they were in the playoffs. They came in, and all of a sudden, he could blow it out for one inning. But the big thing about it is he's armed and dangerous at the plate, and that's a weapon. You know, uh, I, I shake my head, but I sure as heck like watching him hit, and I like watching him pitch. Yeah, I mean, he really is a unicorn. Shohei Otani, what he's done so far in his major league career, what he just did in the WBC, I mean, to create that kind of drama – Otani going up against his teammate, Mike Trout, to end the WBC. It was just so ridiculously fun. We have a few more fun questions, Cal, that we want to get your way. Um, as much success as you had as a hitter, I'm sure that you had a nemesis at some point. Who was the <laughs> toughest pitcher that you ever faced in your playing career? Um, I think statistically it has to be uh, Dennis Eckersley. Although I hit a couple of home runs off him, and I faced him when he was a starter in Boston. And... Uh, and I think when he came over to Oakland, but uh, in the end, he had pinpoint control. He could mix his breaking ball in any time he wants, and he could raise the ball up in the strike zone. So uh, statistically, I never mind, minded facing him, but I didn't, I didn't do too well statistically off of him. Um, I think I did all right against Goose. Um, Goose Gossage and Nolan Ryan were two guys that uh, the intimidation factor was evident. You know, when you came to the plate, Goose was uh, all arms and legs and threw the ball harder than anybody in the league. And when he would miss, he would miss up and into a righty. And so a lot of times I couldn't get that out of my mind, you know, when he was, he was there. And I think the best thing that happened there was I met him once and I found out that he was a pretty nice guy. And so it almost took that edge away and I was able to, uh, to hit better. Nolan Ryan uh, did that thing, gave you a bow tie. So he threw a ball right here where the bow tie was supposed to be. So he would keep you from diving over to the outside corner. And he had a hook curveball that started the same place as the bow tie would. And so you had to really stay in there, you know, to hang in on his curveball. So, you know, the intimidation factor can be real. And they do try to, to push you off the plate a little bit. 
but you can never hit thinking about being hit. And so uh, you, you somehow had to play a mind game to get past that. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that I'm, I'm going to make it a little easier for you. So I want to know the Mount Rushmore, your Mount Rushmore at the shortstop position. I'm going to put you on it. You're, you're going to we're chiseling your face on it as we speak. <laughs> but who are the three that would join you? The Mount Rushmore of shortstops. Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, well, Ozzy Smith, I always wish that I could move like Ozzy. You know, uh, I had a chance to go to Japan um, and split time with him at shortstop. I think it was 1986. And I, uh, we hit fungos to each other. I don't know whether we were short a coach or whatever else. I don't know, but we actually hit ground balls to each other. And when I was hitting ground balls to him, I try to get him into a rhythm, go right, go left, go right, go left. And then I would go, go right, go right to see what his reaction was. And I couldn't trick him. You know, all of a sudden, uh, if, if it would have been me, I'd have been halfway moving to the, uh, the, the, where the ball was supposed to go. And he just turned around and, and picked the ball up so clean. He was, he was acrobatic. So anyway, Ozzy would be uh, one on my wall. Um, who else is uh, or not on my wall? On the mountain. <laughs> um, <laughs> give me some people that I haven't thought of right now. Well, some examples. Derek um, Jeter. What, what are we thinking about Derek Jeter? Is he in the is he in the Mount Rushmore all time shortstops? Uh, I mean, he'd be in the Mount Rushmore of all of us, uh, or all the shortstops. <laughs> uh, if, if you if you all just played playoff games, you know, there's nobody more clutch than uh, than Derek, defensively or offensively in those games. Um, so yeah, Derek would be in there. Who uh, who else did I like? I've got I've got all time. You know, Omar, Omar Vizquel was in uh, when I saw him play a lot, and he was a anybody that can take a uh, two hopper that was topspin off the turf and catch it barehanded in a no hitter game and throw the guy at first base. You know uh, he was pretty amazing. And what he used to do sometimes when a fly ball would go up with the sun, instead of battling the sun this way, he would turn around like a catcher and look the other way and catch the ball, which I don't know how he did that. So Omar had a, uh, a super set of skills, and uh, and he was a wonderful shortstop too. So do we have enough for a mountain yet? I think so. I, I think we're about there. What what about like a maybe a current player who is, is, is verging on joining that, maybe a fifth head on the Mount Rushmore? I'll, I'll give you some names, and I'll let you okay. pick one. Trey Turner, uh, Francisco Lindor, Bo Bichette, Corey Seager. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, all those guys are great. I mean, Corey Seager to me was built a little bit like me, me at shortstop. I mean, he's—I think he's bigger than me, uh, weight-wise and uh, and uh, height-wise as a shortstop. And I think his footwork is really great. Lindor, Lindor has a great, great legs. When I was doing uh, work for TBS and we had the the uh, playoff games, um, he was amazing in how much lateral range he had. And his first step quickness was uh, pretty off the chart. Um, who's the other one you mentioned? Uh, Trey Turner. Well, Trey Turner has turned out to be one fantastic player. I mean, all the way around, really exciting. Uh, um, and he seems to be getting better and better all the time, too. So there's some really tough choices. But, uh, but I gave you my impressions of uh, each and every one of them. They all could be on the mountain. Yeah, absolutely appreciate it. Cal, before we wrap up here, do you mind if I uh, play a short clip for you? Sure. All right, here we go. 
I love baseball. I've just been around in my whole life. Growing up an Orioles fan in the 90s meant that you worshiped the ground that Calerpin Jr. walked on. He's the Iron Man, you know, he has the longest streak for consecutive games played, and that's pretty incredible. You know what? I think my colleague is here. I want to introduce Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Hi, guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no way! So, Tony, what if you didn't have to work on opening day? Well, I would go to opening day. I'm here to tell you that Sage and I are going to supply you with opening day tickets. That's awesome. Oh, my God. That's so cool. I can't wait to tell my dad. He's going to be so excited. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. Thank you, Cal. Cal, that is that, that, that was a lot of fun to do. You know, I was up at yeah. Lincoln Stadium uh, um, doing that. And uh, Sage is a provider for accounting, financial, HR, and payroll. And uh, they focus on small to mid-sized uh, companies. We use them at uh, Ripken Baseball. So we're, we're more mid-sized. And the idea of me in this campaign is to try to convince people to take a day off, I think, is uh, was pretty creative. And, uh, and and to have the ability to deliver those good, the good news to people that they were going to opening day, I, I had a great time doing that. So uh, it's a great partnership. Um, uh, uh, MLB, it's going to enhance the in-game activities with MLB. Um, and I guess I'm, a, I'm an activator of sorts, but my job mainly is to, uh, to convince people to take days off. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, I mean, I loved I love watching the video. I love that interaction as well. Just uh, tell us a little bit more here before we wrap up. You know, what made Sage the right partner for this type of engagement? Uh, obviously, you talked about enhancing the MLB viewing experience for fans. You know, talk about how important it is to create an engaging and informative in-game experience for fans looking to watch yeah, the game. Yeah, so so we live in a world of analytics, and whether you like it or not, you know, and I, I'm a very analytical person, and I used um, analytics a lot in how I played the position. And uh, so any way to bring that to life, you know, in, in the, the form of pitching decisions or, uh, you know, understanding what the manager's strategies are in between innings, um, that, that's where Sage came to Major League Baseball to, to, uh, to kind of break into the, to the uh, market over here and, uh, and tapping into the analytics, which is really uh, is what they, they're an expert in. It's, uh, it enhances and makes you understand the game a little bit better. And make sure, and I think the game has always had a little bit of a bad name that it's too long. Um, but if you really know what's going on, if we can make it open, or we can create some things that make you think a little bit um, and, and make you understand the game, then you love the game a little bit deeper. And, and and it's not about necessarily all about the pace of play. Although you know the uh, the shot clock, the shot clock, <laughs> the pitch clock seems to be uh, to, to be. Uh, you know, making a difference too. So anyway, I, I think it's a perfect partnership, um, you know, with Major League Baseball. And I guess I'm the activator. I love it. Yeah. I mean, look, you don't have to talk analytics to us. I mean, we're all about it. So we uh, we support it 100%. We're always talking a whole bunch of crazy stats here on Fantasy Baseball today. Cal Ripken Jr., it's been a ton of fun. Thanks again for your time. We really do appreciate it, man. Yep, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. All right, for Scott and Cal, I am Frank. Thanks for watching and listening to this bonus edition of Fantasy Baseball today. We'll actually be back in about an hour with a live head-to-head category draft. We will see you then.